0: Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, March 14th, 2021, the fourth Sunday of Lent. Thank you for listening this week, and if you would like to view the service in its entirety, please go to our Facebook or YouTube page by following one of the links in the podcast notes. Also, we would like to invite you to please support our ministry here at Beach Grove through your offerings. We have both online and physical giving opportunities, and we encourage you to reach out to us if you have any questions about them. Contact us by emailing us at beachgrove at office at beachgroveumc.org, calling our office at 757-538-8353, or you can message us on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that we may learn more about you, more about your nature in our lives. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. You know, in the Catholic Mass, the first song response or spoken in some cases depending on which church you go to is called the Kyrie and it is a repetitious piece in which congregants sing the following words Kyrie eleison Christe eleison Kyrie eleison translated to Lord have mercy Christ have mercy Lord have mercy you know, this portion is in the moment that we often point to in our united methodist liturgy in the confession and pardon section. This is the time of repentance in the mass. And yet these words seem so apt for proclaiming for what we are proclaiming at that moment. We encounter God, and in the midst of broken of brokenness in the world, we feel ourselves, we feel within ourselves We ask for God to have mercy upon us as an act of repentance and forgiveness. These two acts, repentance and forgiveness, they are in fact major themes in this Lenten season. They guide this time of fasting as we have taken upon ourselves and as we journey towards the cross of Christ. They play a big role in our lives as Christians too, not just in these 40 days. But our focus on them in this season is intentional. Intentional so that when we are out of this season, they have become embedded parts of our lives. What is at the heart of these acts of repentance and forgiveness? And do we as disciples even truly understand the nature of what happens when we seek out God's love rather than wait around for it? We have, for the past month now, been talking about covenantal living. And as we have discussed it, there are two sides to a covenant, right? There is the side that often makes the promise, and there is the side that lives up to the promise. And so, within our understanding of covenantal living as Christians, we have God who makes a covenant with us, and we have on our end the upholding of that covenant in the same respect, As we have looked at the covenants thus far, we have seen both sides of this equation, both God promising and humanity living. You know, we began that first season, that first week of Lent, and we looked at this covenant that God makes with Noah, this covenant to create and not to destroy. And in that, we looked at our role, to do the same across creation, to do the same in this world, to be a part of the creation that God is offering and not to be a part of destruction. In the second week, we looked at God's love and the covenant that God makes with Abraham to love God's people. And we saw how that generational aspect of God's covenant extends far beyond even Abraham, but extends beyond into us through Jesus. And then last week, we recognized the order that exists within covenant. That in the ten words that God offered to the Israelites... They were meant to guide the relationship that we have with God and the relationship that we have with one another, becoming central te- themes to the ministry of Jesus and building the foundation of the bounds that we exist as Christians today. As we have seen covenantal building, as we have seen covenantal living build each week, we have further picked out the nature of who God is to us. Further ideals further understandings for us to meet and encounter who God is and to build and in some ways mature our relationship with God. And it is that two-sided equation that God doesn't want to just love us, but God looks for us to return that love, return that love to God and to extend that love to humanity. And so we continue that narrative as we look at this week's passage. The passage in front of us today paints a picture of what upholding that covenant looks like. And even further, it shows us the healing nature that God offers within the covenant. Now, I'm sure as you heard Katrina read our message, read our scripture passage this morning, you not only did not hear the word covenant, but I'm sure many of us on an initial reading here in Numbers 21 probably can't even see a promise that God may or may not be making, and that's all right. It took me a few readings to really begin to tease out how this fit into the series as well. But you see, I think that this is less about God using the word covenant here and more about God establishing a nature of what it means to be in relationship with God. If we look at the way the Israelites are in relationship with God and what God offers in this moment, this is a promise of healing. This is a promise of healing in times of pain and in times of suffering. And we encounter in this passage God's covenant to be there for humanity, to comfort them, to guide them, to offer them peace and mercy in the midst of an otherwise tumultuous life. And rather than God outright saying, this is what I promise you, it is explained in a narrative. We have the story of the Israelites who are in the wilderness, that is, the nature of the book of Numbers. The Israelites in the wilderness awaiting their entrance into the promised land. And if you read through the book of Numbers, you will see that over and over again, a narrative develops. And you will see that over and over again, the Israelites will speak against God. The Israelites will speak against God because they are miserable in the wilderness. It's hot. I'm sure it's dry air, so it's probably a little tough to breathe. They're hungry. They need food and water. And we see over and over again that the petitions of the Israelites, even as they speak out against God, are met. Right? God provides water when Moses strikes the rock. God rains down manna and fish from heaven. And here again, in what is one of the final times the Israelites will speak against God in the book of Numbers, this is uh, towards the end of this book, we yet again, in verse 5, see that the Israelites speak against God. And here's the even more interesting thing. They regret everything that God has ever done for them. For God, why did you lead us out of Egypt? We were so happy there, but were you really? They proclaimed that they wanted to go back to Egypt because it felt safe and secure. They knew where their food was coming from. And even in the midst of oppression in Egypt, They felt it's safer than what was going on in the wilderness. And rather than trusting on the promise that God would deliver them to the promised land, they decided that they wanted to leave and go back. The Israelites not only speak out against God, but they seem ungrateful for anything that God has ever done for them. Not just for bringing them out of Egypt, but as I remind you, this is the end of the book of Numbers. Manna has already rained down from heaven. Moses has already struck the rock and water has poured forth from it. They have had the pillar cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night to light the way and to keep them comfort and guided. And yet here, even at the end of the book of Numbers, the Israelites are still unhappy. But you see, this narrative invites us to consider the ways in which trial and hardship make us blind to the full body of work that God does in our lives. And then... The nature of God to continue to work, to heal, and to bring forth reconciliation in our lives. Because we see that in this passage, when the Israelites speak against God, the pain only gets worse. This is where repentance and forgiveness comes into play. However, right, before I get there, I want to address one verse in particular here, as we look because we can probably look and see that God is not too happy with the Israelites for complaining against him. And so we probably cannot blame ourselves for reading there that God sends the fiery or the poisonous serpents among the Israelites. Now I want to address something because as I read this, I often have trouble reconciling that nature, that God would send problems into the midst of the Israelites. And so I want us to look at the full nature and body of scripture here. That while we struggle with this portion of scripture, because even in the midst of our United Methodist theology, we do not believe that God causes harm in our lives. We believe that God works for the good of all mankind in us. And as we read this passage, that may seem like a foreign concept, as it tells us that the Lord sent the poisonous serpents. And so what I will say is that each and every one of us does our own scriptural insight into this. And as we read in other places in the Bible, we encounter the loving nature of God to work for good. And so I will leave it at that, that as we read and understand the full body of Scripture, that we see the nature of God that is exhibited later in this passage. I will not get bogged down in the verbatim words of this Scripture, but let us look at God's nature found in Scripture and illuminated through our tradition, reason, and experience. Clearly, the acknowledgement by the Israelites in verse 7 to Moses is an opportunity for them to confess that they have turned their minds and hearts away from God, and they feel that they are being punished. We have in front of us a people who are suffering, a people who are hurt and in pain, and a God who responds to that hurt and pain in a manner of healing and mercy. The Israelites are searching for a manner of physical healing, and they realize the other pain that they have experienced. Because the pain is not just the death of friends and neighbors at the hands of these serpents, but the pain is also the pain they are carrying of this wilderness excursion. At this moment, because of the manner they feel they have wronged God and sinned, they turn to the one they know offers healing. They turn to the one who offers them mercy and peace. And in this moment, in our scripture passage, we encounter a manner of repentance and the Israelites seeking forgiveness. And this is the covenant that we explore this week. God's covenant that God will offer healing in the midst of suffering and pain. And it is our turning to God in those moments to seek that peace and reconciliation that God offers healing. The question in this covenant, the question in this nature, becomes what kind of healing does God offer? And I'm sure in this, many of us can relate to a situation of pain and suffering in our lives. Because suffering is all too, is an all-too-known nature of our nature as humans. We all carry with us pain and grief. We all carry with us the scars of where we have been, the miles that we have trod. And yet, there is always someone who is walking with us. There is always someone who is journeying with us. And God's covenant of healing takes place in this opportunity for us to grow and to be sanctified in our relationship with Him. That is that as we seek God further and further and grow in God's grace, we continue to experience moments of healing and reconciliation in our lives. It does not always take the form of what we demand of God, but it takes the form of the spiritual direction that God is leading us. Even if we look in this passage, right in verse 7, the Israelites, what do they demand? They demand that God take away the serpents. And yet, what does God do? God instead provides a path for healing rather than taking the serpents away. In this act of lifting eyes upon a snake, they are healed. It is about seeking God and about seeking the way that God works within our lives. And even as we read and connect this in scripture, we see the way in which this story of the serpent connects us straight to Jesus. Even in John 3, where John paraphrases this passage, talking of Jesus saying, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And I'm sure the next verse for many of us is one that we have embedded within our subconscious. But what a correlation for us as Christians. We know that the work of God is noticed in our lives when we fix our gazes upon God, when we enter into this relationship with God through Jesus. For the Israelites, the bronze snake becomes an encounter with the word of God and an opportunity to be reminded to turn to God. And so, too, do we have this reminder, this experience, this understanding of God's grace through the person of Jesus Christ. You see, we don't have to build snakes on poles. We don't have to wrangle them in a church service. All we have to do is find Jesus and find God. And we know that there is comfort and healing in that manner of feeling God's spirit within our lives. And so we must ask ourselves, what is separating us and even our communities from encountering God? Now this is both a personal and a communal question. Because in doing this, we recognize the ways in which we have strayed away from God. And as we talked about last week in the nature of sin being that manner, that we fracture that relationship with God. We do it on our own personal behalf. And so how do we as individuals and communities reaffirm and rebuild that bond with God and keep it strong? as we continue to journey our lives. We can individually and communally confess our sins and repent, but unless we continue to build upon that relationship, our faith can become weak and fragile. Healing takes place when we recognize that healing is needed, for we cannot be healed if we do not admit it to ourselves. And then, to welcome God in, to take a part in that healing, Much like we cannot heal our relationships here on earth, we cannot heal our physical infirmities or anything unless we seek help. For how can we do anything alone in this world? But we have communities who surround us with support and love, and we have a God who comforts and loves us each and every day in the same respect. And so this is inherently our role in this covenant. If we are to uphold anything in the manner of God's nature, then we must seek God when we are in need of healing. It may seem tough. And this means that these 10 words, these 10 roles that God offers here, they become guiding principles for that love, not a laundry list of what it takes to get into heaven. How are you living God's love? And how are you loving? as God loves. Amen.